Welcome to the Stansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Coming up at 7, I'm sorry, 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. I swear to God, I swear to God, I swear to God, I'll ask him one Indians question. That's it. I'll ask him an Indians question. Every single hour on the program this morning, though, starting at 6 a.m., your shot at $1,000 every single hour from 6 a.m. to 9 p. Every single hour on Rock 106.9, your shot at $1,000. We're not eligible to win, Phantom, so like, settle that down. It's a lot of money. A um, lot going on on this morning, but we're going to start right here. I'm worried about me. Okay. I got problems. A lot of people are worried about you, dude. I got problems. All right. I'm, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about this a little later in the program, too, about pessimism. I, uh, dude, I'm just worried I can never be happy. Okay. That I'm never going to be a happy person. I'm closer than I've ever been, and I have been for about a year and a half, closer to two years now that I've been working on it. Uh, I went back to therapy. I've been eating better. I've been in the gym. I got you know a little bit more confidence with that. I, I got a lot of things going in the right direction. Okay. Um, I was just telling a friend of mine this yesterday on the golf course. My job has never been better than it is right now, ever. Like, ever. Like, even at the height and the earlier on, it, this is better now. I feel better now about it than ever before. I am entering in and, and, and facilitating into the best adult relationship I've ever been in in my entire life. And this is why we're going to talk about this right now. Okay, that's all positive stuff. That's Feel all good. great. I like, I like all that's that. That's all great, all right. right? So two sevens there on the, you know, on, on the slot machine. All right. Settle down, Mom. You're not going to win. So you got, the <laughs> okay. two, you got the two sevens there on the slot machine, right? So, of course, what's going to be the thing that's completely falling apart? What have I, what have I not mentioned yet? The golf game. Right now, I know what somebody's gonna say. Well, do you get a girlfriend, and then you know that's kind of what happens. I'm playing more now than I ever have, and she constantly tells me, "Just go play. That's what you want to do. Just go do that. I don't care. I'm not gonna stand in your way of doing that. Just go do it." I'm playing now more than I ever have, and here's why I worry I'll never be happy. So here's this like great woman that I got right, and she's one of these like super sunshiny people, and I'm not that guy. Surprise. Right? Like, I think you guys kind of know that, right? So there I am. I played Saturday, played horrifically. And then yesterday, I went with, uh, out with my buddy Seth, and we played, and I didn't play very well. And so she's texting me. She goes, hey, how's it going? I know you didn't play great Saturday. Did you kind of find it back? And I was like, no. And she starts sending me all these messages about how, just keep your head up. It's going to be fine. Just a positive, supporting, re- you know, a reaffirming person. Just the, everything I would need. <laughs> and instead of going, look how lucky. I wanted to rip her goddamn head off for trying to be nice to me. And it's like, dude, I am a psychopath. I am a maniac. How could I have all of this stuff and still just be like, I want to murder everybody. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, what happens there is we all get on the treadmill of happiness and you think that you're making this progress. You think you're like, oh, a raise and oh, something new and blah, 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 blah. But initially, eventually it just becomes kind of what everything else was. So there's a greater point there. But I think what part of the problem what you have going on there Here we go. is, well, do you feel like. And, and 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 I I think you took to me it seemed like you took a little step away from the game for a minute and then you kind of came back with great gusto recently. Yes. Do you feel like maybe there's a little bit of it's not as important as it once was, therefore it's like it should be okay that it's not as good as it once was. Mm, yeah. I wish that were it. Three, it's still I I'll tell you I I 
I could I see why you have that estimation. Although yesterday, when I wasn't playing well, you could still see how important it would be to me to be able to play it well. I think three years ago there was a little bit of like I threw a club yesterday. Well, it was the only way you could find happiness outside of like something good happening here. And work can't be the only thing you define yourself as. I think any human that does that for the most part, you're going to end up with that hollow feeling, no matter how successful you are in that. You know what I mean? That is true. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty, plenty of dudes who are on their deathbed who look back. And I know it's cliche, but like, boy, you know, never nobody ever says would have spent more time in the office. Nobody, you know, nobody, nobody says that. So you have to have something else other than that. And I think, you know, three years ago, the only thing you had was the golf game. It was yeah. like, well, this is the defining feature outside of out of this. Now, all of a sudden, you have other things that you're working on. Therefore, you should be able to get some satisfaction. There. I thought what would happen is, is I would get my head all cleared out. Because, you know, you're spending your time right. with somebody else and she's making you happy. And, you know, obviously there's the there's the sexual release that you get in relationships. There's all that stuff that kind of keeps you happy. And so I thought for sure I was like, all right, I'll get my head all cleared out. Everything's going to go good and, it, and and it'll be better. And dude, it's never. And here's the thing. People go, well, that's golf. No, no, no. This is what happens. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm setting up to it and I'm like lost. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate when this happens. Like so much so yesterday I told my buddy, I was like, I'm selling my clubs. Do you think that I mean and obviously I won't but I but I but I'll bitch and say I will. There's fall golf to be played but oh, like yeah. I mean you're coming towards what should be the end of the season and and, and probably within 2 months it's going to be cold and you think maybe a, a an extended stay away from it maybe like a little bit of a, a summer break here. I uh, break? well I I I think that's only going to get worse dude. Golf's it's not like riding a bike. You I mean dude there's a reason why the pros there's a reason why they're on the range for 2 hours before they go play the tournament on Sunday morning. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. because that's what it is. It's just it's repetitive. It's 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 that whole thing it's it's muscle memory that it's it that's what it really is it's muscle memory but it's making me absolutely crazy like she you know yesterday she goes i i was like i'm done i was like i'm not going through another winter and then trying to do another season this next year i'm just i'm not doing it and she's like you're not the quick guy just we'll find a place for you to take (laughs) lessons all winter and there's got to be indoor facilities where they'll do it and there is there's a really good one in macedonia and i might just i might just do it because it's making me absolutely crazy right now great because everything else is so so great. I said to my buddy Seth yesterday, work's never been better. This is the best relationship I've ever been in, albeit we're early, but it's so, so, so good. And then now I was like, if, if I could get golf even to where when I'm playing, not even at my best, but where I'm even playing decent, I'd be the happiest I've ever been in my whole entire life. But of course, the goddamn universe won't let me have it. Now, you're a self-saboteur, no question about it. For sure. There's, there's, there's no denying it. For sure. Um, were, were, you, were you in communication with her yesterday on the course or was this after the course? Yeah, a little bit of both. See now, if you're now, I, I think they're right there as part of the problem is because you know uh, when when you were at the top of your golf game, there was probably a little bit of like, no, dude, I'm not texting these hoes while I'm out here, dude, hitting holes, man. That's what I'm doing. I'm not texting hoes. I'm in holes. You know what I mean? So there was probably a little That's bit fair. of that. And you get a little bit of distraction going right That's there. That's fair. And once again, being being the self saboteur that you are, here we go. Um, well, you've got all these other positive things going right now. There probably is that feeling of. The instability feels normal to you. So it's like, okay, I'll throw I'll throw my golf game as the sacrifice here because these other two things are like actually important. But this gives me in like on a subconscious level here, this gives me the jokes. This gives me the anger. This gives me the push here that I want to be, you know, wow. I'm still angry about something. Wow. Laying down on the couch there, those little Stansbury and Fantone action here. Dude, I gotta tell you. <laughs> I uh Wow, I hate how close you might have got that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I. I don't know if I like how close you just got that. Because here's, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if you were going to give me the option 
Like the reverse genie in the bottle, where you got to pick one to let right. go. I obviously don't want to screw up work, because that's how you stay alive. Right. Yeah, honestly, if I could pick one thing to be falling apart right now, it would be the golf game. It's an easy sacrifice, dude. It's a hobby as opposed to like a part if of If you're up, truth. honey, you have no idea what kind of <laughs> statement that was. You better be good to me. Better be nice to me. She won't. In the end, she'll end up figuring out I'm an idiot, and she'll end up being mean to me like everybody else. Your shot to win $1,000 is every single hour this morning on the program. Actually, let's do the first one. We'll do it right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword bank to two. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 1069, 8 o'clock. Scott from WinningForNextYear.com will join us. We'll talk to him a little tribe, obviously. Brown's naming Baker Mayfield the starter. We'll get into that a little bit. Also want to hear about this Cavs rumor uh, that started to gain some traction yesterday. Apparently, they're looking pretty heavily into acquiring Jimmy Butler from Minnesota. Originally, uh, they're from Chicago. Uh, the Bulls there. Butler, pretty good. He's a pretty good, solid player. You put him and uh, Colin Sexton together, you might end up having a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a DNA there. Remember, they were trying to get Jimmy Butler to come to Cleveland prior to LeBron leaving, and he was not interested. Oh, is that story. right? So I don't know why you would be all of a sudden interested now. But... Oh, and if and if he is interested now versus then, I actually got more red flags because it's like, bro, if you don't want to come here and play with LeBron, but you want to come here and try to be the man, like that's worse. Like come here and play with LeBron and win. Right, win a championship. Right, right. right. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know necessarily how I feel about that, but obviously a talented mm. basketball player. So I'm not going to crap on the idea. I didn't know any of that, so I was just looking at it from a talent standpoint. He's like, dude, the kid can definitely ball. So I was like, yeah, bring him here. But yeah, if he's got issues with playing here, then I don't want it at all. It's also questionable, or well, at least with if if this were to happen, it it makes me question. Like, well, what what are the Cavs trying to do here? Like, are you trying to get into win the now? Playoffs? I mean, like, I don't I don't know. Like, what is know. yeah? What is the what is the plan there? It's hard to look into that wine and gold crystal ball. I can't necessarily tell tell what they're doing right now. Neither can they. Another thing I did over this weekend, I uh, I got invited and I went. Our good buddy, Canton police officer, Lamar Sharp. Yeah. He has that Be a Better Me Foundation. Yeah. And they did a documentary about him. And it hasn't actually been like officially released. I know like Mike Rose, like producers and like things are kind of shopping it to the networks, like Netflix and like Hulu and that kind of stuff. They're trying to find a home for it. Right. But they did a screening of it at the Palace Theater. And it was really good now i was in it and so like that made me like it but like outside of that it was really 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 good for those of you that don't know lamar sharp is uh he's he's one of these like canton police officers that believes very much in community policing um he's constantly out there doing stuff with kids kind of interacting kind of wanted to show kids like look we get that the you know that the relationship between um, you know, community and police has been dwindling over the last few years and that there's been a lot of stories about, you know, police being, you know, um, not handling their jobs properly. And there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that. For sure there is. Though any group of people that large, you're going to have some bad apples in it. But that overall, it's probably not the overall reality of all police forces. And so he's kind of out there doing his job and kind of like, you know, showing kids that there's another version of police versus just the guy who arrests your cousin. Yeah, I think we can all debate on like which side of the street lies the most responsibility or who's done the most harm here. But I don't know if that's necessarily productive to what everyone's trying to do, which is move things forward. I mean, like, yeah, there is a time to look back and learn from the past, but there's also a time to like, OK, well, so there's a problem, whether it's cops faults, communities faults, kids faults, 
whoever, whoever, wherever, however we got here, here we sit. And the thing I really like about Lamar, his foundation and kind of everything he's associated with, CPD included, is like, all right, well, let's fix it. Like, okay, enough complaining, enough talking, enough doing. Let's do. Let's make it. What I like about what Lamar does is that it's like your health. Are you going to wait till you have a problem? Or do you want to be preventative about it? It's like your marriage. Do you want to wait until she's about ready to divorce you to call a therapist? Or do you maybe want to do a little pre you know, you know, preventative maintenance on it? That it, It's work. And so he's actually, the one guy in the documentary says it, he's catching these kids further down the stream. Meaning before they get the gun in their hand, before they go hang out in the corner, before they're, he's getting them before that and showing them that there's another way to go around it. And it's as simple as, like, they were showing these kids learning to tie a tie. Now, that sounds, a lot of you are we're probably going to have to wear a tie to work today. Now, some of you don't. I don't. God knows I don't. I'm sitting here wearing a hoodie, for Christ's sake. But the amount of guys I know my age that have to YouTube how to tie a tie every time they got to wear one? I mean, it's just one of these things. They teach these kids interview skills, like that kind of thing. Um, like sh- every Once a week, he brings in like a real chef, and they teach these boys how to cook, which is amazing. We talk about it all the time on the show. The amount of guys I know my age that can't cook a single meal would blow you over. And I think more so than any one of those individual skills, because it's like, well, what if I don't need to tie a tire? What if I just want to get fast food all my life? What if I want to do this or whatever? It's teaching you responsibility. It's teaching you that like you can push yourself beyond the 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 the. the what you think you can do in your own mind. And that's tough for a kid, dude. You're seven years old. You're eight years old, dude. You face these challenges being, you know, wherever it is you come from in Canton, you've got these issues. But the fact that somebody's coming in here and showing you that, like, yes, you can make things better. Yes, you can take care of this thing. You have the ability to do that. That's, I mean, I think a lot of people who have that in life don't necessarily appreciate the fact that you didn't you weren't just born with that that's not something you just have somebody taught that to you somebody instilled that in you somebody gave you that and 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 if you don't have that what are these kids supposed to do yeah learning something new um accomplishing something it 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 does it makes you feel better about yourself this is why what i always talk about it's one of the reasons why i love the gym so much is because i believe that achievement is being taken out of most areas in your life um, your work doesn't really want you achieving much because then they got to promote you. They got to pay you more money. Everybody wants to kind of keep you where you are at and that. And that in a lot of other areas in your life, achievement is like, well, you're shaming other people who can't that, you know, reach for those kind of heights. And like that kind of we're, we're, they're trying to do that to you where that's crazy. Achievement is good for you. It's good for your self-esteem. And so he's kind of showing these kids that. And again, easing some of that tension between community and police, I think is ultimately really, really good. I didn't know this. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to go in there and I'm going to have to backpedal on Monday. So per 100,000 residents in 2017, our murder rate was higher than Chicago's. And I'm constantly, I'm constantly talking. Now, per 100,000 people, right. now, it's Chicago, way, 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 way bigger of a city. But I'm always like, eh, what are we talking about here? The crime's not so bad. And I was like... Whoa, bro! Per one hundred thousand residents, our our murder rate is higher than Chicago. Well, I, I, what I'll say on that is like that was nuts. Is is per capita Chicago not nearly the the nightmare everyone makes it out to be? Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying like there's no danger there and everything's fine, but there's plenty of small cities who you don't necessarily look at as like crime the hood, stuff. right? As you don't necessarily look at them as like crime central, but like yeah, per hundred thousand, I'm sure there's plenty of towns that can say they're more more dangerous than Chicago. And so when I saw that on that screen, I was like, God, it was eerie. And you could feel it in, in the Palace Theater that night when it came across the screen. You could feel it. There was like, a, like it came over the entire audience. It was like, ooh. 
But now, honestly, it's gone back down. And, uh, and, and so, the, you know, that's looking good. And just the positive stories in that thing were great. You know, and... Dude, Lamar is very much like my buddy Ricky who, who started that, that nonprofit rake, Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere. That I marvel at those guys because I'm able to do, a, you know, last week I kind of, you know, I did. I donated money to charity. I gave the guy outside the store some money. I'm able to do some things. But then when people get negative about it, I, I, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, why, why, why am I doing this? Right, why fine. am I doing this? And then if this is the way it's going to be, why am I doing it? And both those guys are just out there tilting at windmills and never get discouraged about the fact that there are people out there who are trying to knock them off their game. Yeah, and obviously that is going to come once you get involved into a project like that. There's going to be doubters. There's going to be people who are going to hate on you. Who think you're out to exploit it for something for your own personal gain. Um, I, I think there's definitely something about like Officer Lamar Sharp that we kind of under-report on, too, that like all these awesome things are happening, and it's so great, and it's so like, dude, you're doing stuff with kids. You're doing stuff you know, with the community. He's also a cop. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, his job isn't just to go out there and, like, hand out popsicles. Like, his job is an officer of the law. So, the dude's a freaking cop. So, like, he gets into that. Okay. Because he says, he's like, you know, he's like, people forget sometimes because they just see me dancing and passing out right, the candy. Right. And sure enough, they have him and he's suiting up and he's putting the Kevlar on and everything. And it's like, dude, I know that. Dude, Lamar and I will go to dinner together. We'll go get out drinking together. Like, I know him. And, like, even I, as I was, like, watching that, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. You're one of those. He's uh, yeah. I mean, a, an enormous man with massive a, with with a badge and a gun. So like that, because he's so like gentle giant, it's very easy to kind of forget that. And I know you and I. I think something we both share is the beatdown of the negativity that we have to deal with. Yes, where it's like, dude, every single day we have to read these stupid stories. And oh my god, I don't want to fight with you about Brett Kavanaugh. And, oh my god, dude, I don't care. Fine, Tiger Woods, whatever. <laughs> and we get like that with yeah. each other. But we're reading the stories, dude. Homeboy is out there living, living those stories. Homeboy is out there making those stories happen. You know what I mean? So so not only is it like, okay, well, you've got haters and you've got doubters and you've got these different things, but you're also a freaking cop. So like, it, Jesus, dude. I don't want to ruin this for everybody in case we get you know some serious distribution. People get to right? see it. But like one of the things that happened in this documentary that I had forgotten about is a young man had been shot on a street corner here. Right. And, um, God, I forget his name. And they were doing a vigil out near what, like the, like the utility pole, like where he had been shot at. And then a drive-by happened, happened there. And Lamar's daughter got shot. And they had to rush her to the hospital. And they start talking, she starts talking about it. And she says, they, they started asking me about gang violence before they started asking me what was wrong with me. And you realize it's because they're worried people are coming to the hospital. Right. They're, wor- they're worried that this right. is going to... Like, the woman whose son died, she's like, we had to move out from the house. We didn't know why it happened. Like, my son wasn't involved in certain stuff. So, like, we were... She was like, we, we left the house. And I thought to myself, I'm like, dude, think about that. Like, think... And dude, when they showed him walking through the police station and there's the board of all the homicides, it hit home for me what that guy's job is and what all their jobs are. I was like... Oh my God, that's right. It's not just passing out now and later, say, you know, at building middle school. It's not just that. I'm glad you bring all this up, and I'm glad you bring up the concept of Chicago and the crime rates and all the different things. And I think you and I have both been very supportive and tried to champion this city as much as we possibly can. Um, And I hate to borrow this from another broadcaster, but 
There's a Canton one. Everything else. So I mean, just keep on, just just keep it coming. There's a Canton one and a Canton two, and there's the Canton we all look at and love and like cherish and like say, oh, it's so great here. Come to Basil. Come to the Arts District. You know, come to these great restaurants. And there's a Playhouse. And there's all these different things that we're so proud of, and we should be. Yeah. But there's also a Canton two as well. And 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 it's very easy to forget that there's a reality that we don't necessarily deal with. That is not our reality, but it's very real for this city. Yeah, they were, I guess, like, there are people who take issue with turning the, like, the utility pole into the memorial, and they were making the argument in the documentary, it's like, look, that's pretty much, like, our headstone. Like, that's that's what it is. That's, right. like, our version of the headstone. And at first, I was like, oh, it doesn't look great, and I kind of, you know what I mean, this and that, but then I thought, I was like, dude, there, what's the difference between that and putting flowers at a dangerous turn where somebody got hit by a car? Right. You know what I mean? And right. there's not that much of a difference. That documentary was eye-opening, man. And again, I know Lamar, like, you know, really well. I, you know, we hang out a lot. And so I kind of know that story really well. And there was still so much in there I did not know. And it was, it was one of those moments where it was really inspiring. And I left the Palace Theater Saturday night feeling energized about how I have to help my community more. And then I woke up Sunday. I was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, like, but like, it was one of those documentaries where I feel like we could all, you know, we could all use seeing something like that. So, Lamar, I know you're usually up. I know you're usually listening. Bro, I'm so proud of you. The movie came out great. Thanks for putting Fantone and I in it. And that the boy's in it there, huh? We are in it. We're talking. You know what it was? You'll remember this. It's when they brought in that. He brought in the camera crew. We were talking suicides in the area. Right. And you and I had some really good insight onto what, you know, why we think that happens and what we can do to kind of help that with happening. And he even said to me as I was leaving, he's like, Do you like you? Look at you in the middle of that screen, just kicking knowledge. Boys look good. Boys look good. Man, I don't know if we look good. (laughs) We sounded pretty good. I don't know if we looked any good. All right, Fantone and I don't necessarily believe in zodiac signs or horoscopes, that kind of thing. We actually both are the kind of guys that roll our eyes at that. But apparently, your zodiac sign will tell you what kind of lover you are. So we'll find out if that's true, and that will be next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9, where you can win yourself $1,000 coming up shortly after 7 a.m. We'll give you your second keyword of the day. You'll text it in. You'll have some money. Smart. I mean, dude, iHeart's smart. I mean, before you know it, Christmas is going to be here. Oh, yeah. So you put that $1,000 in your pocket. You know what I mean? It, dude, that's going to take care of a lot of the Christmas spending, I would think. Dude, three months from now, it is Christmas Eve. Three months from right now, it is Christmas Eve. Oh, dear God. And you're sitting there, and you're like, damn, dude, how am I going to pay for all this crap? Look at all this crap, dude. What did we just buy? Can you believe how expensive this goddamn thing was? Yeah, I'm so dumb, dude. I don't know why I'm getting into girlfriend mode right now. First of all, dude, it's hoodie season, so you know I'm going to lose all my best sweatshirts are just going to be gone. She doesn't even listen to any of those bands, but there she'll be in a clutch hoodie. You just You know how that goes. So I'm going to lose that. And, dude, it's so expensive, right? You got Christmas right there. Her birthday's in January. Look out. Valentine's Day's in February. And I'm sure she'll want something in March. (laughs) You give them something three months in a row, and all of a sudden the expectation game's coming. I'm terrified of it, dude. I'm going to lose all my money. I need a thousand dollars. Dude, Rock 106.9 hasn't given me a thousand dollars in five years. It's been a long time since that happened. Long time. Good God. All right, we here at the Stansbury Show do not believe very much in horoscope or astrology. We're just not big into it. 
And I believe those things are written so vaguely that it's like, oh, you know what? That, that it, yes, it could be applied to you. Now, I will tell you that I have read mine occasionally and thought to myself, yeah, man, that's pretty close. But I think that's how it's designed. I think that's why they're so vague. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for meaning in something, you're going to find it. I also never, nobody's ever been able to answer this for me. Who writes it? Like, what are the qualifications for writing what th- that is? I just feel like it's people who can never sell their book. Yeah, I mean, somewhere along the line, no matter what it is, dude, if you're reading it and it's printed on something, somebody was paid to write that. So, yes, there is an author sitting there. And what qualifications, what 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 inner, you know, inner workings do they have that connects them to the stars more than John Q. Public? I don't know. When the weather guy on TV who never gets it right. But he at least there's a program that he went through to tell me what the weather is. Yeah, there's that machine back there. Jeff Tanchek's always standing in front of it. Just point at it. Just the Doppler 3,807,000 machine. Yeah, that four-colored penis in the middle of a map that's like going to make it rain everywhere. They're always telling you. But dude, there's there's qualifications that went into that. Yeah. I don't. What is the like? If I if I just apply, can I get this job? That's why. Why would you listen to this? You don't know what the qualifications are. I have no idea. And honestly, you're right. Even if you're not the chief meteorologist there's some level of like dick goddard showing you like yo bro this is how this thing works and back here this you button turn goes this here crank and you do this and it's gonna be fine you forgot no. to turn on the third doppler i have <laughs> i have no idea who's sitting there at the canton repository compiling all this information about the star signs i have zero clue and then people are taking this and applying it into their lives as if it's like real make major financial decisions like oh dude should i buy this car right now i don't know where's the uh where's where's mercury and retrograde are we talking about I have no idea what these qualifications are. Why would I listen to any of these people? Like, when I go to my therapist's office, she's smart enough. She's got all her degrees on the wall. There's three of them. Look at them. This is where I went. Look at them. Sansbury, I went to Stanford. Like, I went to Stanford. Of course I know what I'm doing. It's like, oh, okay, good. Now I know. We're good. Which, by the way, she went to Stanford. Now she's in green. So it's like dialed. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Let's, Let's roll it back. Right? But they're now saying, and I guess they probably have been saying this for a while. That your zodiac sign can tell us what kind of lover you are. You don't buy. Sorry, it. sorry. Just, you don't buy. Just, 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 just expressing how I felt there. Okay. Let's your do birthday, this. if I remember correctly, Fantone, is January the second. That is correct, sir. Which makes you a Capricorn. That indeed I am. The goat sign, I believe, is what it is. Is that what it is? That's what it is. They've all got an animal or something. And I'm, I know I'm the goat. What Chinese restaurant menu <laughs> like uh, animal are you? Is, um, is, is it the year of the? What would you get? You're the rat, maybe. I don't remember. I don't Sounds remember right. which one that Sounds is. Sounds right. All right. Well, you and my better half happen to both be Capricorns. Okay. So we'll start here. They say it is the most ambitious sign of the zodiac. Capricorn lovers approach sex with a determination and dedication. However, you can appear unemotional or detached when it comes to romance, moving extremely slow at first. Is that true of you? Uh, towards the end, not so much. I think towards the beginning, like the, I feel like I'm dedicated to like sex. As when I, when I'm when I'm having sex with somebody, I really do want them to enjoy themselves. Like I really, you know, like that's that's something that I, I go. Now, that's my goal. Do you believe that that is a male ego thing, or do you believe that that's attributed to your zodiac sign? Um, I would think that most 
I don't know if male ego, but Because yeah. don't most men want women to have fun when they're having sex? Because really what you're looking for there is to feel like you're good at it. I would like to think that most people feel that way. So I don't even think that's exclusive to any sex okay. or, or, or anything. I think all those things that are said in there, yes, apply to me, but they also apply to everybody else listening right now. Apparently, you guys are sea goats. That sounds terrible. Jesus, dude. That sounds awful. <laughs> Like, I'm willing to bet if I call her right now, I'll be like, hey, seagoat, she's going to be pissed. When a seagoat finally feels at ease, it reveals itself to be among the freakiest lovers of the Zodiac. Nice. Can't wait for that. Kinky Capricorns should explore role-playing. Apparently, this mentality, freeing plays allow Caps to venture into their mysterious sexual psyches, acting out fantasies that will bring seagoats to their knees, which Jesus, happens dude. to be the body part ruled Jesus. by the Capricorn. Dude, every, the everyone, everyone should go try out new stuff, dude. That's how you see if you like stuff. Do I look good in this shirt? I don't know. I'll try it on. All right. I look Does good. I'm going to buy right. it. Yeah. Interesting. Ugh. Interesting. Now, my computer's pretty slow because they care about me so very much that I'm having a hard time scrolling up. But I am a Gemini, born on May the 25th there. Oh, the duel, the duel sign. Now, again, there are people who will tell you that I am kind of like the twins, that I'm up and down, the yin and yang. And like, you know what I mean? There's two sides of me. But isn't that everybody? Everyone. Literally everyone is up and down at times, dude. Okay. So Gemini are ruled by Mercury. Okay. The planet of communication. So when it comes to dirty talk, apparently the twins write the book. They're extremely turned on by detailed accounts of lovemaking, even as the act is underway. Um, I'm not great at dirty talk. I always because I never know how far to go. I always say, dude, that like, that dirty talk and like spanking and that kind of stuff. I always feel like kiss. I'm giving you all like the bells and whistles because the music's no good, and so I'm just like slapping ass because the sex is no good, like that kind of thing. So I don't know if that's necessarily true of me. Um, but I do like hearing it. Apparently, switching sexual positions is big for the Gemini. It's arousing for these energetic lovers. And Gemini, apparently, we rule the arms. So any opportunity to what? pin down, hold on to, or cuddle up to those limbs is a massive turn-on. They say hooking up with a Gemini is the best time you're going to have. Best time ever. Number one, That's dude. what they say. Somebody born in the month of May. Boy, it's going to be fantastic. Anybody shocked as to why I pulled this one out and started talking about this? Yeah, I don't buy into this. Where are these people on your list of, like, the crazies? Okay. I get why women get into it. If I see a grown man posting their horoscope, I worry about you. You're either gay or your girlfriend hacked your account. If, 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 if you want to get into it in the sense of, like, eh, dude, I find some sort of entertainment in it. Okay, like a comic I, book? I, I guess, kind of, sort of. Okay. But like, if you're really taking this into consideration here, I don't know if you're quite as bad as flat earthers. But like, dude, you're getting there, man. Like, we're we're we're, we're into a, we're into a weird territory. Oh, Mercury in retrograde, we're into a weird place. Mercury in retrograde is very is closer to flat Earth than it's not. I mean, there's plenty of things I think are lunacy. There's plenty of things, and you can point to religious things. You can point to you can point to people scientific beliefs people have things like that. Like, but at the end of the day. Dude, if you are really making decisions based off of, of, of when you were born, in the two weeks before and the two weeks after, you think that people have some sort of like connection with you? Well, what is wrong with you? Okay, do me a favor. Look up your horoscope right now. Let's find out what the Capricorn horoscope for September the 24th, 2018 is. Let's see if we can find it here. 
Well, astrology.com, I figure, is the biggest. I mean, right? It's an unusual day when your judgment is not totally accurate. You're likely to get caught up a little in little irrelevant details that aren't pertinent to your your current focus. A friend's hot social life may be interesting, but hearing about all their latest fling isn't going to help you accomplish your goals. Get yourself... Give yourself time in the morning to prepare for your day and get a better grip on the forces around you. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. See, no, you're shaking your head, but there's some stuff here, right? Right. Like, aren't I the one in like that new, like the new, the, like the relationship thing that you're kind of hearing about it, and you, you, you know, it's not the thing. Your life, you did need some extra time for your morning this morning. Fanto woke up to a flat tire, and and I mean, right? I mean, so like that's what I'm saying. As much as I want to laugh it off, they do kind of get you in that zone where it's like, well, maybe. Well, yeah, because every- so like what I'm saying though is is like, dude, I think dumber people than you and I could easily be duped by it. Everybody has everybody has a friend that's in a new relationship. Everybody had something go wrong this morning. Whether you dropped your toast or your kids weren't ready when you wanted How them did to they be. See? I couldn't oh find my, my keys. gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay. I had a flat tire. How on earth did they know that? They didn't know that. They know that crap happens in life on a regular basis, dude. It crappens. It happens all the time. It crappens. It crappens. Okay, so. You have now linked astrology to flat earth, and you and yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, tarot cards, palm reading, it's all in that, like, zone, right? Oh, 100%, dude. But, I mean, but are, are we going to get into the conversation where it's like, well, when does religion jump over that? I don't know, dude. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Well, it's all mysticism, and it's all don't question the method. No. It all. I mean, it's all very much has the same system. We know you don't. You don't get to know how it works. You don't know who wrote this. Just believe it. You don't know who wrote this. Here it is. Read it and believe it. I don't know. Uh, that's a, the argument I've always made on the Bible is that it's called the King James Version for a reason because they gave it to him. And LeBron you wrote it. Yeah. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think the you don't think the king was like you know uh, let's let's rework this in my image a little. Of course he did. Of course he did. Of course they did. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It was also the story of the Bible. Technically, they say it was compiled from 40 different writers at different times. A lot of stuff. Now, play telephone in your office with 40 people today and tell me how that story comes out on the other end of it. And nobody ever wants to get into that about the Bible. And that it was 40 different writers compiled over like decades of time and then put together. And like I said, play telephone in your office today and tell me how that rumor ends up. So, yeah, I mean, things are going to go wildly askew there. But I just... I don't know, man. I want to buy this because it says Gemini's are good lovers, and I need a win today. I need a win. I need, I need some positive things going on. You know what happened yesterday that was positive? I've told you before, the most dominant athlete you've ever seen in your entire life. And he reared its head yesterday. Get ready, because I think the boy's about to go on a tear. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it. I love Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. No matter the tap in for Tiger. We thought we'd never see it. And I don't believe he thought either. Tour championship winner, Tiger Woods, a winner again. Number 80. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 1069. You're about to win yourself a thousand dollars here momentarily. Just heard Jimmy Nance there. Telling you, Tiger, tapping in for par, 18th hole, won his first tournament in over five years. I think it was something like four back surgeries, a couple of knee surgeries. His body had been destroyed, and I had said for a while that it wasn't solely his body, and it wasn't. That he didn't have the mental game. He just didn't have it. You could see it in tournaments. He had been playing great, and then there would be like a three-hole stretch where he didn't play well, and then all of a sudden my back hurts, and he would draw. It's because he didn't have the mental game. He didn't believe he could win. And I had tweeted on Saturday 
I think it was hole number two. And I said, dude, if he makes this birdie here and believes he can win this tournament, it's going to get ugly for Rose and Justin Rose, and it's going to get ugly for him fast. And it's exactly what happened. The Tiger effect happened to three different world-class golfers this weekend if you watched the tournament. Ricky Fowler melted down, couldn't handle playing with Tiger. Justin Rose melted down, couldn't handle playing with it. And then Rory McIlroy peed down his own leg yesterday. He was three shots back. Three when that day started and finished nowhere close because he couldn't handle it. Rory McIlroy is a former number one. Now, he's been mental in the past. Rory gave away a Masters tournament on Sunday afternoon once. On the back nine at the Masters, he gave it away. He had that, dude, I think he had that thing won by like four strokes, gave it away. So Rory's been mental before. He's definitely been mental before. But the Tiger effect is real. World-class golfers can't handle it. That tells you, I've told you before, Tiger Woods is the most dominant athlete you have ever seen in your life. It's just a sport you don't totally care about. LeBron James isn't even close, by the way. You take accomplishments in their respective sport, LeBron falls laughably short of Tiger. Laughably. As a matter of fact, dude, Michael might even too. Do you view any athlete? Is Nobody's there close. Nobody even Nobody's close. close. Tiger Woods won the Grand Slam, which is four majors, four times. The only person that I I think makes arguments, and it's just weird because we're in this position where it's like... We, um, you know what? One of those NASCAR guys, right? I'm going to say Michael Phelps. Ooh. I'm going to say Michael Phelps. Again, dominant athlete in a sport I don't care about. But, yeah. but, but, but what we're talking about there is I think you have a lot of different things going on when we talk about dominant is different than greatest versus my favorite versus best. Like There's a lot of different things happening right there. But when it comes to absolute domination of their sport versus the field, I, I mean... Tigers. I, I, he's, if he's, Michael Phelps, though, that's if, a good one. If he's not in the conversation, I mean, Tiger, Tiger, Michael Phelps, and even it, like even like Tom Brady, I've used the best quarterback ever. He's not in that same era. No, he's not. No, 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 no. Tom Brady's not as dominant at the quarterback position as Tiger was is on the golf course. Not even close. Michael Phelps is the closest one, and here's what makes it really, really impressive. It's all you. It's all you. Tom Brady can throw a pass, and Gronkowski. Tom Brady can throw a pass for five yards. Gronkowski can run for ninety, and you score. Does that make it easier though? Because it is all you. You don't have to factor in anybody else dropping a pass. You don't have to factor in a penalty that you didn't create. Something like that. Is that offset by a guy caught a pass he shouldn't have because you overthrew it technically? But you have a freak athlete on the and the lie down. So I think it can pick you up, drop you off. Uh, you know, okay. either way there. Okay. Where in golf, it's all you. And make no mistake, it's the hardest sport there is. Football's not even close. Golf is the hardest sport there is. You know how I know every athlete that picks the game up says, this is the hardest game I've ever played. <laughs> it's the hardest game I've ever played. Because 90% of it is mental. It's won and lost by the 12 inches between your ears. Or however many of that is. It's, that's where it is. It's all right there. And if you don't have it mental, you don't have it. Like, all those guys spend hours on the range. They all have pros who teach them. They all take lessons. It's, they, they're, they're pretty much right there. It's that competitive win. And what I love about Tiger is he's the anti-2018 athlete. He's the anti-millennial athlete. Tiger Woods is the last killer mentality athlete this country has. LeBron, again, a guy I love. But he's a facilitator. Game on the line, wants to pass. You do it. You go over here. He's all-inclusive, and that's why everybody loves him now. But that's why he's not Michael. And that's why people won't put him past Michael, because Michael wanted the ball and wanted to kill you. 
Tiger wants to kill you. As a matter of fact, in the new book, the newest book on him, written by Armin Contain and one other guy, uh, I, I forget his name, but it's really good. I'm about eight chapters in, and it's really good. And Armin Contain says it's all about it. People always think it's his dad, Earl Woods. It's not. It's the mom. She gave him that Asian thing. That, that, that Asian thing where it's like, Tiger, you have to be the best. She once told him in a junior tournament, he was seven, I think, in a junior tournament, he was up by six and he felt bad for the kid he was playing against and said, ah, I kind of want to take it easy. His mom, at six years old, looks at him and says, Tiger, you beat that kid so bad that next time he has to play you, he's afraid to play you. Welcome to parenting your kid the right way. Teach them to go for the throat. You step on your opponent. You close them out. There is no mercy. You kill them. You don't pass the ball. You don't facilitate. You don't wait. In the, you don't do that. You the, mo- you the moment comes and you step up and take it. Now, what's impressive about the win yesterday is it's not a major, but the field is if it were. Those were the 30 best golfers in the world yesterday outside of Jordan Spieth because God, well, I know what happened. Jordan got himself a girlfriend, got engaged, and therefore the game just went to crap this year. Just started worrying about it. Dustin Johnson, too. Paulina Gretzky threw all the stuff out of the front house. Guy can't hit the golf ball now. I mean, dude, happy wife, happy life. Welcome to it. And like both those guys are just kind of distracted by what's going on. But that field yesterday, massive, major. And he now believes he can beat a good field. Look out. I'm telling you, next season, look out. If he spends this offseason, he gets his game real because his game's not totally there yet. It's close. It's not totally there yet. If you watch a ton of tournaments, you can see there's still some faults in his stuff a little bit, even yesterday. Like at 18, he should have made that birdie. He just didn't have it. But he's getting close. And if he wins majors again, I said he'll win tournaments. He won't win majors. I was wrong. He's going to win a major next year. So this wasn't like the Super Bowl of golf yesterday. This... So what happened? It's called the golf championship, right? Because yeah, I kept seeing that. And I thought like, okay, this is it. This yeah. is the, the. But I didn't. Every I was tournament's wrong. Okay. called a championship, okay. though, right? It's like the Safeway Champion. So here's what happens: golf needed that thing. The, the, the FedEx Cup is like the it's like the college football playoffs. You don't really need it, but they found a way to make more money and watch people play. So what it is is the four majors really matter. But then in the end, you get into the playoffs, and every week there's a cutoff of like X amount of players, X amount of players, X amount of players. So if you come into the last tournament of the season, East Lake in Atlanta, it's where it's been, I think, since 1998. If, if, you, come, if you come into there and you're in like the top 10 and you win that tournament, you win the overall thing. So Justin Rose won the FedEx Cup. But Tiger Woods won the you know the championship at you know the, the Fed. It, it's, it's a, lot a very, very confusing. It's a very confusing <laughs> thing because the word championship is just used too much in the sport. Okay, it's just used too much in the sport. But the what the golf realizes, man, we made such a big deal out of these four majors all year, and the last one ends pretty early in the season, and then now nobody cares about the rest of our season. So in comes now the FedEx. Cup Finals. Okay, it's basically the playoffs of golf. Is that is what it is? It's the playoffs. So, I mean, do you feel like this is the beginning or a new beginning for Tiger Woods, or was this a re a quick you know reemergence of brilliance, which will be followed by going back down to, to where me, he was? This is all about Tiger regaining the mentality that he can win. He didn't think he could win. I had said it for a while, Dustin Johnson, all these young guys, they were all hitting the ball by him. And it started to get in his head. Because he's an old man. Tiger's not young. He's 40, he's almost 45 years old. He's an old man. 
believing you can do something is the first step towards doing it. So, like, there is definitely, you know, somebody who's just not a golf fan, like, there's definitely that point of, do I know if he's going to come back or not? Do I know anything about about, about how what that's going to take or who that's going to be? No, I don't. But I do know the first step to believing or to doing something is believing you can do it. And now he's got that proof. Now he's got that resume. I, I guess I won't be shocked to see this as like the, yo, this is Tiger Woods 2.0. I'm being told I agree golf uh, you know is a, is a hard sport but don't forget about tennis. Yeah. Uh, again, let's take one of the most decorated tennis players out there, Serena Williams. I do she has not accomplished in that sport what Tiger Woods has outside of the fact that she's a woman. Here's the other thing, Serena Williams herself has said that she is the best female tennis player there is and people will go why do you gotta like qualify it well Serena Williams has said that if she had played that that the guy ranked 200 in the men's division would beat her by 20 she has said it that's why they call her the best female tennis player because she is that she would not be the best overall tennis player because men are just bigger faster stronger it's just the way it is there's no differences between men and women yes there is don't be an idiot don't be a small child there are absolutely differences in the sexes don't be a child don't fall for that 2018 woke bs child stuff tiger woods is officially back i didn't think he'd get all the way back in this form and honestly he wasn't even great and he still whooped the field. And it's because mentally he just creeps in their heads. Oh no, here he comes. The Tiger's back. And he melted down the best in the field. He's the most dominant and fearful presence in all of sports ever. Nobody makes opponents shake the way Tiger Woods does. Welcome back, Tiger. Your boy loves it. More Sansbury Show after you get hooked up with this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll do that at 8. Also, pass out another $1,000 at 8. We're doing that every single hour. Between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Rock 106.9, so you know, t- plenty of opportunities. I don't know. I'm not counting, but I'm sure. A lot of them. <laughs> it's a lot of them. A lot of it's them. It's a lot of them there. We also have tickets to see Machine Head October the 22nd. That's at the Agora. Nice. Uh, we'll do those here. You know what? We'll do those here momentarily. Okay. We'll do Machine Head here pretty soon. And then we have Factory of Terror tickets. We'll do those at 9.30. Oh, it is Hollow Haunted House time. Yeah, I'm going to have to do all that. Oh. The girl was on me this weekend. She's like, oh my God, we're doing that, right? Like, we is were she the- into it or something? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, okay. So Friday night, we did, the, we did the let's just stay on the couch date. Okay. And, you know, it was Chinese food and candy. And she wanted to watch The Conjuring. Because okay. I, th- I had thought I had never seen it. And then midway through the movie, I was like, all right, I've seen this. But she was all into it, and I was like, all right, don't ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, she had seen along. it before. She was like, it was one of those things where she wanted to show you a movie she likes. And she is such the scared person. You know what I mean? But it was. It was good. It was like, dude, this is kind of nice. This is how Friday Night's kind of supposed to be. Bowl of popcorn, hot chick, watching movies at your house. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. I uh, I would not have pegged her as like a, hey, let's watch a scary movie. Oh, I mean, she loves them. I think everyone's got a little bit of like, yeah, dude, haunted house, scary, or like loves whatever. I, wouldn't, I would not have pegged Me her either. as an enthusiast there. No, I wouldn't have either. Been honestly, I don't know why she's an enthusiast. She spent half the movie with her face in my chest because she couldn't watch it. Well, and like, what are you gonna do when she's like, "All right, yo, Stansberry, Factory of Terror, we're going Friday night," and she's all excited about it, and you're afraid? Like, what are you gonna do? I know you're afraid, dude. You can lie right now to the people in Radio World, but me and you both know. 
You're, you're going to be terrified, bro. Thanks for making it Radio World, not land. I like it. The whole world, baby. I got the world. I like it. I like it. I have radio. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I don't know. I guess maybe I'll let her go first, and I'll pretend I'm, I'll pretend I'm doing well. Yeah, I don't know. She already hit me up on that. She's like, we're going to that, right? We're doing that, right? I was like, yeah, we'll go to some haunted houses. I said, I would kind of like to go. I said, but I was single. I was like, you can't like, you can't be my age and go to a haunted house by yourself. No. It just looks like you're, well, a creep. No, you can't. You hear that you see this a lot on 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 uh, on the social media. Relationship goals. Okay. Right? Okay. And I will tell you that there is a Hollywood couple out there that if I could model my relationship afterwards, I would like to have their relationship. Oh my god. I used to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> Coming oh up next god. on Horoscope Radio. But Dak Shepard and Kirsten Bell, or Kristen Bell, sorry, Kristen Bell is her name. Have a pretty good like relationship. Like they always seem to like they did those Samsung commercials together, and those kind of came out good. And like they always just seem to be like doing well on social media. They just seem to like really like one another. And I, I could be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, Dak Shepard originally came out um, from uh, Ashton Kutcher's Punk. There, that's the first time I remember seeing. And, and him. one of the things that I remember hearing about him back then, I do not know if it's true, that the dude has a giant, I mean enormous penis. That like, is like, a, like a, a, a King Konger, like just huge. That's um, it's been. Pretty well reported through Hollywood that that's true. Good for her then, right? Good for her. Well, I think more good for him. Yeah, good for everyone, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, except for us. Just everybody involved. Down like son of a bitch. Well, no wonder she likes him, yeah. right? Yeah, right. I mean, him. I mean, it's definitely easier to, to to overlook things when that's happening. Yes, she's so hot. By the way, she is so hot. Yeah, she's she's super hot. Oh, she's, she's so hot. She's got a little bit of realness to her. That's, that's what I like. That's what I was going to say. She's not necessarily like, oh my gosh, like starlit gorgeous, but she's certainly very attractive. She uh, she was on this show on Showtime called House of Lies with Don Cheadle that I loved, and she played just like a drunk drug addict, like sex, like crazed maniac, like psycho, and she was so hot in that show, dude. I loved her in that. But she's been with him now 11 years, Okay. okay? It's a long time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, for sure, right? They got a couple of kids together. He's been sober 14 years. So she was on a show the other day and was talking about how she dabbles in recreational marijuana. Now, they live in California where it's legal and it's perfectly okay. And she says, look... I do it about once a week, which I think she's lying. I don't. I think people who probably partake in marijuana, if you're doing it, it's probably more than once a week if you have it around. She says she never does it around their two daughters, which, again, I could totally agree with and believe. I know plenty of parents who do this and keep it away from their kids because you can. But, of course, social media was like, he's been sober 14 years. And so social media then is crushing her. How dare you do that to your partner? You have no idea how hard it is. And sure enough, the addict came out and is saying the right thing. No, my wife doesn't have a problem. So my wife shouldn't have to curtail her life because of my problem. It's my problem. I'll handle my problem. And again, this is the problem with how we've been approaching addiction in this country for about the last couple of years. That what you want to do is you want to pad the world around the addict and make it to where, no, you don't have to see it. You don't have to be here. You don't have to do that. That's weakening them. You have to build them up to where they're strong enough to be in the environment. And that's what he's saying here. As a matter of fact, I guess he told her and other people that all people, everyone should try really good ecstasy and mushrooms before you die. Now, I don't know if that's great advice. That's not the advice I would give you. I was going to say, coming from an addict, I don't know if that's not, I don't know if I would give you that. Th- th- I don't know if I would give out that advice. I th- that, to me, seems bad advice. But 
It's time. People got to stop looking at marijuana as a drug. And, and in the sense of, what's the difference? If she comes home and smokes weed once, what would be the difference if they went out and she had a glass of wine with dinner? The answer is, of course, nothing. No, and I, you know, with, with especially with alcohol addiction, um, you always have to deal with that. There's literally nowhere you can every go store, and, and every not, restaurant, and not have to have to face I mean, Chipotle that. Chipotle has. Um, so, so there's there's definitely going to be that. I do think that you know, from relationship to relationship, and addiction issue to addiction issue, is probably going to be some level of, of variance there. I do think that a supportive partner is is going to be important. Like you can't necessarily. So you, you're dating somebody who's recovering alcoholic or whatever. Sure. You can't be shocked if you're like binge drinking in front of them if that leads to their relapse, if that leads to being an issue. But like, but there's a, a real fundamental difference there between like I'm binge drinking in front of you every day and I am responsibly enjoying alcohol. Well, Those are two very different things. Very different things. It also depends on where your partner is in their sobriety. Like if they're brand new in their sobriety, I don't know if I'd be doing that. But he's 14 years in and what Dak Shepard is saying here is that it's not up to my wife to keep me sober. It's up to me to keep them sober. And again, I love this because what Dak Shepard is saying is what I'm always saying. We have been moving the responsibility off of the addict and telling them how it's not their fault. It's this and it's this and it's these triggers and it's a disease and you don't have any control and we're moving the responsibility off of the addict. And look what happening the addiction problems are getting worse you have got to stop telling people that it's not their responsibility to clean their act up or that yes can you be patient with an addict should you be absolutely but telling them it's not their responsibility to clean up their life isn't doing you any favors as a matter of fact what it's causing is mobile morgues to where we have to stack bodies on time of on top of one another dude harsh realities and bringing the bottom, that used to be the thing, bring the bottom to them. That used to be the thing. Now we don't do that anymore because it's considered mean and insensitive and you don't get the struggle and you don't understand what it's like. Yes, I do. I had my career derailed by one. I say it all the time. Addicts are easy, bro, because they only make one version. They're all the exact same person. Selfish. More Sansbury Show right around the corner, but let's pass out these machine head tickets. They're playing October 22nd, the Agora. We'll send caller 17, 1-800-243-7625 on those. Be right back with more show for you. Hang on. The Stansberry Show. Kenton's Rock Station. Rock. Yo, Fantone from the Sansbury Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. People ask me about my LASIK surgery all the time, and I tell them the same thing I'm about to tell you, dude. 2020 vision. That's what I wake up with every single morning. You know, I started wearing glasses in the third grade, and I thought I was going to have to deal with vision problems for the rest of my life. But thanks to my good friends over at the Rollholt Vision Institute, the inconvenience of glasses and contacts is a part of my history, not a part of my future. So if you're done ordering contacts and you're sick of paying for glasses, I want you to visit a website. It is RollholtVision.com. No, six, nine. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll do that at 8. Also pass out $1,000 at 8 as well. But uh, I want to get into this a little bit before we get him. Baker Mayfield, name the starter. Week 4. I said it would be week 6 or prior. And here we are. Week 6 or prior. Um, And I know you're excited. Oh, my God, Baker Mayfield, because he beat the Jets, right? Oh, my God, we're making the right call, Baker Mayfield. What happened to the... We're going to sit Baker all year, and one day Baker's going to thank me for it. What happened to that? Guys, this has been their plan all along. And 
There were rumors that we were going to put him in the game no matter what happened on Thursday night. Now, I don't know if they would have or not. Nobody will ever know for sure. But, so we didn't give him any first team reps now, even though we knew he was going to be the guy. I'm sorry, but is this same old organization all over again? Kind of feels that way. Hey, the future of the franchise, we're not going to give him any first team reps even though we know he's going to be the plan. They knew he wasn't going to be off the field all year. They knew that offensive line was bad enough to where eventually Tyrod Taylor was going to have to like come out of a game here or there. And they didn't prepare the kid. I know what you're thinking right now. So what? Played Thursday night. One. It was a half of football against a team that isn't very good and who did not prepare for him. Now he's getting another good game coming up here because the Raiders are 0-3. Although, aren't the Browns exactly what the doctor ordered? coming in there. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I think they have a shot to win on Sunday. I think they can beat the Raiders. I do. That's a game I, I, when I said they'd win four, that's a game I kind of circled and said, yeah, maybe that one you could get. I don't think the Gruden thing's going to go well this year. I don't know if it'll go well in the end. I don't know. It was a long time away from the game. We'll see. But I think they're probably beatable right now, the Raiders, obviously. But we weren't preparing the kid? You're not at least a little worried about that? You should be. You should. He's a winner. Do you know how many winners in college football failed at the NFL level? Most is the answer. Most is the answer. So I'm a little worried about that. I am. I'm a little worried. I mean, I guess all you can do is go off of what you have in front of you, and the 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 the, the, the resume he's put forth thus far has been impressive. So I understand the level of optimism. I think more than anything, Browns fans just need to be prepared for the letdown. Um I know, you know, it's been so far over three games, it's absolutely crazy how high and low it's all been. I mean, after the tie, there were some people who felt well, super optimistic. Well, I mean, they optimistic. could be 3-0. Well, yeah, they could be. I mean, they could be. Away. I mean, really, they should be 3-0. I mean, come on. But after the tie, I think there was kind of a split fan base there of, like, should we be optimistic or pessimistic about this? After that loss, it was like, oh, it's all over. Now there's a win. And it's just like, guys, before before you get to greatness, you have to get to stability. And, and once I see that out of the Browns, I think that's when like the true optimism can really start. Like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I came in here Friday feeling good about the world, feeling good about the Browns, feeling good about the future, but you, you just have to temper your expectations or you're going to end up severely disappointed. Yeah, I still think they're not that good. I, 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 again, the defense is massively improved. There's no doubt. But you win in the trenches. That's where, that's where you win. And our offensive line is anemic at best. I mean, they're just bad. I told you they were going to be bad. I told you in the preseason they were going to be bad. And they are. They're bad. Look how bad they were in the first half. Bad. The only reason the offensive line didn't look terrible in the second half is because Baker's better when the play breaks down than Tyrod Taylor is. He's got a little magic, Baker does. He does. He's got a little bit of magic in it. I still, though, still maintain he was a bottom of the first round, first pick of the second round quarterback. I still think that's where he is. I really do. But Tom Brady's a sixth rounder and pretty good. Now, he probably shouldn't have been there. But there have been second round quarterbacks who have been really, really good. I think that's where Baker was. I don't think he's a number one pick. I just don't. I, I, but if he ends up being, dude, if he ends up winning in nine games a year for 10 years, then I'm perfectly fine with it. But you did pass on Carson Wentz, who's probably an A and probably ultimately better. You did. Bigger, stronger, got a stronger arm. 
You did pass on that to go with Baker. Now, John Dorsey didn't pass on Wentz. Who knows what Dorsey would have done? And Dorsey picked Mahomes, who's kind of lighting the world on fire, although I think Mahomes is going to come back down to earth once defensive coordinators really start to get the tape. And same thing will happen with Baker, too. And we'll have the sophomore slump with Baker next year. And then he'll come back year three, and he'll be pretty good. A lot of people tell me the Tyrod Taylor injury looked a little fake and that the Browns were kind of celebrating like, oh, okay, now we got an excuse to do it. And I, Dwayne, I think you might be right. Because the rumor was before the game, Mary Kay Cabot said, look, you're getting Baker Mayfield tonight. The rumor had been out. So if they were going to play him in week three, then why wasn't he getting reps with the ones? So we're back to making awful decisions by a franchise that's constantly making awful decisions. I know we all want to celebrate now because they won. And if they win on Sunday, everybody's going to be like, dude, you're a pessimist. But when they get, like, I don't know, like, shocked and, like, honestly, and beat by 28 one week, it, it, it's going to smack you right back in the face. Fantone's right. It's going to come back down to earth. You're not a world-beating team yet. You're going to be pretty good next year. And Baker's better than I thought he was going to be. But it wasn't half of football against a team that did not prepare for him. And we weren't giving him reps with the ones, even though our plan was to play him week three. Somebody in that building is asleep at the goddamn wheel. We'll find out who that is by talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com and by giving you $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. About to pass out $1,000 here momentarily on Rock 106.9. Before we do, we got to talk to my good buddy Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Can't wait. Super excited. Uh, I want to start with the Cavaliers, if we can, Scott. I know everybody wants to talk all Baker Mayfield, also some Tribe, but I heard yesterday that the Cavaliers very interested in inquiring Jimmy Butler um, from the uh, from Minnesota. Do you believe that deal will get done? I I don't see how it does. Okay. Um, I in one I don't know if they should do it. Um, Jimmy's a great player, but there's no guarantee he wants to stay here. Sure. Um, you know, so you would be. You know they can't trade Kevin for sixty days from the science from his extension. So he he's he's if they were if he was going to be a part of the deal, it'd have to be delayed. And I I, I don't get the vibe that that's something Minnesota is interested in. Um, you know the other the other side is uh, you Colin Sexton and draft picks maybe Chetty Osman maybe Kyle Korver. Um, you know I don't. You know Jimmy would be the best player in the deal um, either way, but. You know, sacrificing draft picks for a guy who might not be here after next year, I don't know if that's the best way to uh, to rebuild. Now, you know, reports are that Dan is the one interested in him, which makes sense because he's a talented player and you and you need to sell talent if you want people to come to your uh, your arena. I mean, you have the Browns are the headline in the, the NFL right. and, and, right. The, and the Cavs or the Indians are, you know, playoff bound. You know, so you're... If you're fighting for the the Cleveland fans' eyeballs, you need to kind of produce produce something that's at least on a similarly entertaining level. So I get it. I just don't see how another team can't find something better for Jimmy. All right, I I, I I do want to shift baseball if I can. I promised the audience I would. I don't really talk the tribe a lot. I um, it's the sport. It's the big three. Out of the big three sports, it's the one I know the least for sure. Um, it's also the one that the audience cares the least about. Um, there's no denying it. But as we get deeper into the season, I will say there's nothing like October baseball. There is nothing like it. I do playoff baseball deep in the season. I love when we get there. When you can see your breath in the ballpark, that's when baseball is awesome to me. And the Indians are damn good. As a matter of fact, I thought it was your tweet at WFNY Scott, or, or uh, is what it is. You had said like there's what eight guys 
in the league that have struck out X amount of batters and four of them are Indians. I mean, dude, like that staff is pretty damn good, right? Yeah, no, I mean, they put together a, a ridiculously good rotation, um, you know, over the last couple of years. Uh, they just haven't been able to stay healthy. Right. Um, you know, when you, and then when you factor that, uh, you know, Danny Salazar is a guy who is supposed to be in that, in that conversation with his uh, swing and miss rate. And, you know, again, his, his, he might never pitch again. Um, you know, so they, so the depth that they've built uh, with that rotation is, is incredible. And, and, and I don't, and I completely, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, I completely understand why, you know, the audience on a day-to-day basis cares, cares comparatively little about the Indians as they do the other two teams because the games don't mean as much. Um, but to your point, again, playoff baseball, every pitch matters. Yes. You know, you can, you, you know, they, they say every, you know, even, and it's only one game during the middle of the season. But uh, when it's when it's a playoff game, I mean every pitch is a big deal. So it's 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 uh, I can't think of a better contrast between regular season and playoffs uh, when you when you when you talk about even the, that wild card game. I know I know some fans don't like it because it's one game, you know, and it's for the playoffs or whatever. But I mean that game is just they're just crazy. They're crazy good and it's a lot of fun. And the and the Indians had a really really good team last year too. And uh, you know the, you know randomness got the best of them. So they just need to make sure they keep this going because. Things aren't going to get any easier. Yeah, I mean, back to back to back. That's impressive yeah. in sports. I mean, when you win your, you know, when they win the Central three times consecutively, obviously something's going right there. And I think it's worth noting as we talk and compare the three sports in Cleveland, um, the Indians have no drama. I mean, like, at the end of the day, the Browns can be as bad as they want to be, and there's always that interesting story. story. There's always, you know, well, is it this guy or this guy? Who's the quarterback or whatever? And then obviously with the Cavaliers in recent years, I mean, the LeBron drama is mm-hmm. enough to drum up interest. Sure. Where the Indians are just a good a team, machine. a good right. team, and and, and and honestly, there's probably a little bit of you know the sports entertainment uh, that they lack there. Um, one of the things I think people have said about the Indians all year is that the AL Central sucks, and that's the reason why they've been winning it since I think mid-April or something like that. They've been in the lead. Um, are the Indians fools gold in the sense of yeah, they kicked ass all regular season, but they have zero chance to win the World Series? No, I mean, they, 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 both of those can be true, right? The division can blow, and they can be really, really good. Yes. I mean, think of, think of the years the Tigers were doing the same thing. Um, you know, it was, yeah, they were good, but the, the Tigers motored through the AL Central for years, and I don't know if they won a playoff series. Um, you know, so there's, but the, the Indians, you know, they, again, four, four pitchers with, uh, with 200 strikeouts, one of whom has been on the DL with a freak injury, uh, in Trevor Bauer, you know, Trevor Bauer had, you know, Cy Young aspirations here before he took that liner. And, you know, so you have, you have that, you have two MVP candidates in Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. You, you just signed uh, a former MVP winner in Josh Donaldson, who, you know, yeah. wild card in terms of health, but if he can play, I mean, he's showing, you know, he's flashing some pretty solid potential already. Um, you know, the outfield's a bit of a mess. Uh, you know, Michael Brantley, clearly an all-star, but outside of that, you have uh, you have some you know you have Greg Allen who's young you have um, whoever they decide to throw out in right field on a given night but other than that I mean you have an all star catcher four potential all star pitchers uh, you know Adam Miller uh, or Andrew Miller I should say is again when he's healthy one of the best if not the best reliever in baseball they they signed two other relievers this season I mean they there really isn't a weak spot to point out in terms of if this happens, then they can't win. It's just a matter of putting it all together in the, at, the, at the right time. We're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Follow him on Twitter at WFNY. Scott, let me ask you this question. Who, what, 
Who's standing in the Indians' way of being World Series champions? I mean, there's a lot of really good teams. Um, Boston is is, 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 is is very, very good, despite, you know, I mean, the Indians have had some really good games against them here, um, you know, during this last stretch. But as we just said, you know, regular season baseball is different than playoff baseball. I mean, Chris Sale should win the Cy Young, um, you know, with, okay. with what he's put together there. Um, you know, Houston, again, they're the World Series, reigning World Series champs, um, you know, but the good news is the, the Indians are only going to have to probably face one of those two teams, depending on how it shakes out. So um, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to look at the, at the standings. But, I mean, the other teams in the AL are really good, too. Um, you know, that's why they only take four. You know, so there's, it's, they, I mean, but, so they just need to, again, I keep, I keep going back to it. They just need to play, to put a complete game together. They can't have Kluber go out there and throw eight innings shutout and lose 2-1. You know what I mean? They need to, on the days the pitchers are playing well, the bats need to do their thing. The gloves need to do their thing. It's, and, and the bullpen, specifically like guys like Cody Allen, who've had a bit of an up-and-down season, they need to you know, get rid of those cobwebs. So we'll see. You, know, you hate to say that they're standing in their way, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of very low-scoring playoff games here in the next couple of weeks. All right, we're talking to Scott from Rating for Next Year, uh, uh, .com again, at WFNY Scott on Twitter. I, uh, let's move to Baker Mayfield. Kind of have to. Let's move to Baker Mayfield. Um, name the starter. We all knew this was coming. I said week six. I said it could be prior to week six. I thought week six would be it. Uh, sure enough, he's getting the reins. And I'm a little upset. And not because we're going to not because we're going to start Baker, but because I knew we were going to start Baker, and we didn't give him first team reps. I mean, Mary Kay Cabot came out before the Jets game and said, "Look, you're going to see Baker Mayfield tonight. He's coming out." So. Then we're going to sit him all year, and one day he's going to thank me. And then, well, no, secretly, I mean, well, we're going to play him tonight, but we're not going to prepare him as if he's going to play. Like, dude, are we back here again with the same old mistakes from the same old franchise, screwing this up yet again? Yeah, uh, you know, I probably, um, <laughs> you, know, for, you know, for lack of a better term. But, um, you know, Hugh is kind of fallen into this a little bit. Um, so not only... You know, he, for whatever reason, you know, he goes with Tyrod. And, again, I, I, I support the decision to go with the veteran over the rookie. Okay. Um, you, know, down, you know, down two scores at home in a game that you're favored. And then, you know, then unfortunately, you know, Tyrod gets hurt. So Hugh has to go to Baker. Baker puts on the heroic performance he did. Um, and now, despite not giving him first-team reps, on a game he's going to start, they have a 10-day break. So they, so he's gonna, you know, so that they're helps. gonna have that helps. the 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 time, yeah. So I mean, all these, you know, every other team is taking today off. The Browns are in, in the facility, um, and they're and they're getting ready for for their game against Oakland. So I mean, they, he's kind of lucked into a lot of this. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the kid plays on the road. Um, but you know, but again, he's he showed it in the preseason. He showed it, you know, for that you know quarter and a half. Um, against New York, and uh, you know, and Oakland has one of the worst pass rushing defensive units in, in football. So, you know, they're you know, if he does, if he, as long as he's okay playing on a baseball field out there, he's right. uh, he should he should be okay. I um I'm so happy for Baker Mayfield that he does not have to face Khalil Mack in this game. Like that's I mean I'll, let's say that I mean dude, just dude that guy is dude Mack is a monster, and I think it's very good for Baker that he doesn't have to do that. I think it's a winnable game. And here's what I'll say about Baker Mayfield: he's must see TV. Like, the Browns with Tyrod Taylor, you're obviously improved. It's a better quarterback than we've had since probably Bernie. 
right? So you're improved for sure. But Baker's must-see TV. Like, Sunday at 1, I got to see it. Like, I, I mean, well, I don't know. It could be a 4 o'clock game now in Oakland. I don't know the time. But whatever it is, whenever that game's on TV, I got to see it. I'm going to go back to the tribe here real quick before I let you go, Scott, because I took this from Twitter, and I think this, I, I think this idea might be right. Much like guys like me who are sports fanatics yet don't can't wrap really wrap our arms around baseball right now, is it because baseball doesn't have like a hard knocks type show around their sport? And then if they did a better version of that or if they did more of that kind of stuff, would baseball maybe have a little bit of a resurgence, do you think? Yeah, like it's like a spring training version of it. Me maybe I, I you know I, I, but like a little bit behind the scenes access because people love behind the scenes shows. Yeah, maybe uh, it couldn't hurt. But baseball, and we've talked about this for years, you know, has been historic, historically horrible at marketing. Yes, they are. They're bad um, at it. You know, they, they, they can't market players. They can't. Um, they, they only, you know, they only want to talk about the major markets because that's where the, the, regional, the regional dollars are coming in. Right. Um, you know, and it's, again, it's, you know, you have a team the way the, built the way the Indians are you know, with two, two MVP candidates and a lockdown uh, starting rotation. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd think you'd, there'd be a way to market the, these guys, but I they would. only get marketed when they're playing the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball or something along those lines. And it's and it's unfortunate, but it's it's been it's something baseball just doesn't want to fix for for whatever reason. And they're and they're you know they're making money. You know they're not uh, no they you know, they're not hurting money. by they're not hurting by any stretch. So I don't I don't know. It's kind of an old school thinking. And uh, I don't know what it'll take to change it. That's pretty crazy. Is that Scott from winningfornextyear.com? Again, on Twitter, at WFNY. Scott, we'll talk to you again next Monday at 8, buddy. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see Baker out there in Oakland. I think they have a shot to win that game, and I think he's probably good enough to get that done. Uh, it turns out all of our brains are wired for pesses, uh, you know, pessimism. It's not just me. I'm sorry right there for that little uh, that little mistake. It's not just my brain. Turns out it's everybody. We'll clue you in on that after getting you hooked up with this $1,000 on Rock 106.9. Right. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword cash to 2106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online at WRQK.com. The amount of people who have been messaging me this morning saying, oh my god, dude, I flipped over from the NFL yesterday to watch Tiger is a lot actually it's most of you and it's people like dude i hate golf but i want to watch tiger woods i you know what i need to look up the ratings i need to see what it was because honestly i'm willing to bet regionally it beat some nfl games yeah yeah i mean some nfl games for sure i do not think it's going to be top spot but no i don't uh, think it will uh, either but uh, but will it have beat some of the cbs one o'clock games that were out there yeah i think it could have for sure pretty massive they have this here from gq i read this um and 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 i wanted to talk about this because i'm a little bit of a pessimist now i've always been told now i want to adopt this of course because then i get to be put in this box of people that the more intelligent you are the more pessimistic you will be and it's because well your eyes are a little bit more open like i've always been saying to you i'm actually woke not this 2018 bs version but like actually woke um and it's a little bit true here but they say happy is a pretty useless word. That's Dr. Martin Seligman, a psychologist and former president of the American Psychological Association. If you tell someone to be happy, it doesn't tell him or her what to do on how to be happy. He compares being happy to falling asleep. It's not something you actively do in the way that you get stronger by lifting more weights. It just kind of has to happen. They say He's the father of positive psychology, 
And apparently it's a study of what makes a good or meaningful life. And a lot of his work is dealt with trying to help people figure out how to have that happen to you. He says, naturally, I'm just an optimistic guy. It's like half of the world, half is on the low positive effective spectrum. He says, a trait that usually correlates with sunnier dispositions. He says, I'm part of that. And a lot of the justification for the work that he does. He says, I try to help half the world who is not naturally positive, effective, to be more positive and optimistic. I need a little bit of this. I was talking about it to open the show this morning. My girlfriend is very positive, very optimistic. And again, flies in the face of my theory because she's really, really smart, like super smart. And so that kind of flies in the face of that theory. But she's really good at that. Like, you know, like yesterday, I was kind of, you know, texting her from the golf course. It's all bad. I'm just going to quit selling the club. She's like, no, 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 you're not the give up guy. Here's what you got to do. You just got to do this. You got to do that. And it's very helpful. I just struggle with it. I do struggle with staying positive. I don't know if it's necessarily because I think I think there's just so much gray area in what we're talking about here. It never is any one person going to be clear cut because every situation is going to be cut a lot different Um, to me. and, And I think what kind of drives my happiness it's not, I, I think people get very like mixed up here where it's not, and I, I don't view myself as optimistic in the sense of like, everything's great every single day, everything's perfect, everything's fine, because it's not. I no. mean, it's so many avenues in life, things aren't good, whether that's in your day-to-day life, whether that's in society as a whole, however you want to like look at things. Um, the way I view myself as optimistic, though, is I believe that that something can be done about things. I believe that you can make things better. It's not. It's not that... Nothing is inherently bad or good. It's kind of what you do with it. And that's where I think I find at least my satisfaction and kind of where I'm able to be like, all right, I am happy because I have that mindset. See, this is very interesting because you and I both agree that I do believe we could make things better. Where my pessimism comes in is that I think, well, we could, but we won't. And then I get right back to being pessimistic because, again, and again, I, I, there, 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 there are plenty of ways to prove it to you that I'm right. That we could make things better, but we won't. When did Marvin Gaye release What's Going On? Brother, brother, brother. There's too many of you out there dying. When did that song come out? 1980. Murder rates are an all-time... I mean, dude, like, right? I mean, what, what, what about... What, when did... Um, Murder rates are considerably lower. When did Pay It Forward come out? When did that come out? Remember, you were all positive. Things are going to be better. I'm going to do better for my right... Man, dude, the world's crap. The world's trash. Do you think maybe that's just perception? No, I think the world's trash, bro. Turn on the news. Turn on, do read what's going on. But that's what I'm saying is that like big picture murder rates are down. I mean, less dead cops, less dead civilians. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so this pe- is we're talking about one crime. We're talking about one violent crime. I happen to misstep and say one violent crime. But dude, the world is dude. Look at the neighborhoods that were nice five years ago that are trash now. Now, why is that? It's because drugs and crime are running rampant through the streets. Now, if we would do the smart thing in this country, which is legalize all drugs and watch like 40% of the crime that's revolved around all drugs just disappear, we'd be fine. But you're definitely afraid of doing that, even though you want to adopt the socialist ideas from countries that have legalized drugs and have watched crime come all the way down. You want to take their free health care, but you don't want to do what they've done to adopt with drugs because you're terrified of it. But if we did it, about 39 40% of the crime you have in your neighborhood would just disappear overnight. But, you know, whatever. 
But that's where my pessimism comes from, is that I know we're capable of making the place better, but you won't, because all you're worried about is what's in or around you. And that's where my pessimism comes from, because like I always say, the human being will always, 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 always let you down, because it's all they're capable of. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Yo, guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here. The Rollholt Vision Institute is what I want to tell you about. That's where I had my LASIK surgery done, and I see 2020 now, baby. I never thought it was going to be possible, dude. I thought I would always have to worry about where my glasses were. Did I have enough contacts? Am I running out of solution? All that stuff, dude, that's ancient history to me now. And if you want to be living the same lifestyle, dude, all you got to do is visit the website. They've got financing options available to you. They let you take a self-evaluation test. I want you to visit the site. It is RollholtVision.com. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're also online for you at WRQK.com. Factory of Terror tickets coming up. Also, 9 o'clock, we'll pass out $8,000 for you. Doing that every single hour on Rock 106.9 from 6 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock every night. All weekdays. Let's make sure we know that. See somebody got a Baker Mayfield tattoo? Yeah, I saw the play after uh, after six hundred. What was it? Thirty five days since they had won, and it was like the was this the it's the the Baker special is what they're calling it that they kind of stole from Philly, and then they kind of which kind of got stolen from New England, and then you know Hugh Jackson was like, "No, we've had that in our playbook." It's like, uh, dude, everybody knows the NFL is a copycat league. Everybody knows that. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, like, at what point is that okay? Like, fine, dude, who cares? Fine, see see right. what other people are doing successfully and try to be like them? Well, dude, that's how people should be in life. You're only allowed to do so much on the football field. Everybody's got to play by the same rules. So, yeah, sooner or later, you're going to it's it's you're going to get it's it's like there's only so many chords to play on a guitar. So, yeah, eventually something's going to sound the same. And I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. A significant moment, I think, for any Browns fan. It felt like a, what do I want to say, a weight lifted off your shoulders. It felt like a rebirth. It felt like, you know, the phoenix rising from the ashes. And at the end of the day, dude, I don't care what tattoos you get, dude. Get a tattoo, whatever the hell you want. But, like, I don't know. I'm going to feel pretty stupid for the rest of my life. Like, yo, remember that one time the Browns won? Yeah. I mean... Still plenty of time for Baker to flame out. Now, I don't think he does. I never thought he did. I always thought he was a B-plus guy, which, dude, you can be really good. Matt Ryan is technically a B-plus quarterback. You can be really, really good as a B-plus. Well, and luckily, the dude didn't get, like, a picture of Baker Mayfield. No, but he's got his name on it. It was that play. It was that moment. It was that one shiny, Still really down. Yeah, of course, dude. (laughs) Still really down. Will not argue that point. I don't have any of the tattoos. And I kind of want one, but it's like, what am I doing? I, I, I don't, I've always akin it to a tattoo's like buying your favorite shirt and never taking it off. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I was I'm like, well, I would never do that. And I'm happy now I don't have any of the tattoos that I wanted when I was 17, 18, because it would just be like Darth Vader's body and Ace Frehley's head. And like, what am I, the hell am I doing? Right. It would just be like a bunch of stupid stuff like that. So I'm glad I don't have that. But I guess maybe something meaningful to me. Now? Strange. I mean, 
obviously you've had plenty of opportunity throughout your life to kind of make that happen. Oh, dude, my best friend owns two tattoo shops. The fact that you're at this point in your life and that's even a thought process, because to me, I don't know, it's it's probably like... It's probably like a lot of things that people view as sexually adventurous. There comes to be a point in your adult life. It's like, well, dude, I've either done this or I haven't. Therefore, I kind of, I kind of know where I'm at on the on the chart here. When you're 20, yeah, you don't necessarily know anything, so you're trying everything. But by the time you're 40, it's like, well, dude, either I like anal or I don't. Either I like this, you know, I want a tattoo or I don't. I'm gonna do drugs. I'm gonna smoke cigarettes or I won't. When people pick stuff like that, like that up later in life, there is a little bit of me that's like. What's going on with you, man? I kind of feel like if I was to get a tattoo now, it's like an old broad getting like a belly button ring. You know what I mean? Where it's like I'm trying to recapture my youth. Yeah. No, I'm not slipping. I'm not old. Look at me. I'm still cool. It, like, yeah. it feels like it feels very much like that. Well, and I, I think there's something to be said too about like I think tattoos obviously once upon a time were very dangerous. It was very not like dangerous, like, oh, you're going to die if you get one. But it was a leather jacket. It was smoking cigarettes. It was was riding a motorcycle. Right. It was it was it was very like you saw it and you knew something about that person. I don't think that exists anymore. Is that right? I I, I, I just don't. I just saw um, I'm friends with a nurse on Facebook and uh, she just tweeted. uh, She posted this, I guess, just yesterday that I guess like a lot of the hospitals are now saying nurses, you can have sleeves now. Well, like welcome to uh, because I. Honestly, there's a huge nursing shortage in Ohio right now. I was going to say, if you don't, you're not going to be able to fill up the jobs there. So, like, no, I'm not surprised okay, by that at where all. Do you, where do you go that if you see sleeves, you're like, oh, God. Like, like now, because my nurse wouldn't bother me. But, I don't know, the guy that's about to crack my chest open and operate? I know it shouldn't. I know it's got nothing to do with anything. And yet, I'm still like, I don't know about that one. Well, it may, uh, dude, I hesitate on it. I, no, I mean, there's there's definitely going to be. I You're guess, on trial for your, the rest of your life. You, do you want your lawyer to have sleeves? The further up the ladder you go into the world of responsibilities, I guess that is when you're going to start to have more and more of an issue where it's like, I don't necessarily care if the guy selling me gas is doing it. Fine. I don't care if the woman taking my blood pressure is has a bunch of tattoos. Fine. But now you've got my chest open and now you're looking in there. Um, You've got my life in your hands. It shouldn't matter. No, it shouldn't shouldn't matter but i mean we've talked about this before that there's jobs and there are things that in life that really call for good decision making medical field probably one of those things where it's like i want you in the moment to make the best decision for me you having a track record of bad decisions i guess is 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 cause for some people to have concern isn't that saying more about me than them if i'm thinking that was a bad decision that says more about me than it does about the person who did it i guess well i'll give a little chicken and the egg here but like to me it's more like you knew you were going to be a doctor and you knew this was going to be an issue for you but you chose to do it anyway that's why maybe that's bad decision making on my end it's not so much that i care whether you have tattoos or not but it's like you made this bed so now you have to lay in it you willingly made that bed it's not like that bed just happened to you it's not like it's just like ah son of a bitch i got cancer like no like you were the one who made these decisions now dude i have multiple tattoos i have zero issue with people that have tattoos if you want to do whatever you want in your life but you have to know that with that comes some level especially the more you get in the higher up a ladder you go there's going to be some pushback there it's very funny where we draw the line on tattoos it's like how it's like animals we eat right like you'll draw the line like cow yes horse no which is strange it right? is strange that's, pr- I don't get that, it. that's a pretty strange line and where we do that right tattoos are very similar you got a tattoo on your calf fine put one underneath your eyeball 
gang member. You know what I mean? Like, it's very weird. Like, for some reason, because if you think about it, it's just a tattoo, right? What should it matter where it is? And I always hated the old, I used to hear this when I was growing up a lot. I got it where nobody could see it. Well, then what the hell did you do it for? Yeah. Well, I want yeah. to express myself. Well, get a pen and a piece of paper and draw the picture. Well, down. at least say it a little bit louder then if you're just going to hide it your entire life. I mean, right. Like, you're, I got to express myself so much that nobody will see it. Do, do I think that, like, do I think, like, you're less? No, I, I don't at all. Not at all. But I do understand, and I think you have to understand that, like, when you make that decision, especially... Like my girlfriend has tattoos, and nobody looks at her. She's like, oh, that's a, that's a bad decision making right there. I didn't know that. But like, but like, if you are like I said, if you the further up that ladder you climb, and the more and more that you can see, you know, with that comes problems. You have to, and if you don't, that's a little bit of like, eh, eh, you didn't think about that. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I uh, I just I don't know. I guess I kind of always wanted to know. I always kind of wanted to have it, but I know the moment I do it, I'm going to regret it. I know the moment I do it, like people will be like, well, you know, I kind of talk about your dad a lot on the program, something maybe that. It's like, I don't want that. No, because like I said, you've already got to the point where it's too far. It just, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like, dude, I'm 42 and I just got my first tattoo. Yeah, but like, I think as a whole, if you wanted to cross that bridge, that bridge would have been crossed already. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, my buddy Rodney owns two shops in Cleveland. I mean, I've had more than enough opportunities. I mean, and again, again, a guy that worked for him, Cecil's like ranked like ninth in the world, his best tattoo artist in the world. And see, I love Cecil, and he's dude. He's begged me a thousand times, dude. Let me put something on you, and I'm like, nah, dude. Like, I'm just, it's just not me. Canton Maslin tattoo artist. I don't care. I'll drive out to Alliance, dude. Where are you guys at? Come on, come spend money with your boy. Like, dude, I will get tattoos right now. Like, come on, come okay. on. That's exactly why we did that right there. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. You just, you just, you just discovered our evil master plan of turning a profit at Rock 106.9, and we have money to pass out. Yeah, we do, and we'll do that next on Rock 106.9. <laughs> The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream cut. 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online at WRQK.com. I'm in the middle of a social media argument right now. Surprise. Always am. <laughs> um, because people just feel like they have the right to say whatever the hell they want. Um, I was asked, because we were talking about doctors with tattoos. Now, I don't have a problem with tattoos. But there is something weird about it. Like, if you take my blood, I don't really care. But if you're going to per- perform open-heart surgery on me for some reason, and I said I don't think it's not right, but for some reason it causes me to, like, take caution. And it shouldn't, but it does. So Just because things maybe should not happen doesn't mean that they won't in the world. So I was asked, what about a doctor with long hair? Yeah, I'm walking out. My weed dealer can look like Slater from Days and Confused. I want my doctor buttoned up and a professional. That's what I want. And that's the way it works, right? Don't you want your doctor to be buttoned up and professional? That's what I would want. Why, why does that make me crazy? Um, and I also think it's worth noting here that you can admit shortcomings within yourself. And like, if nothing else, it's like, all right, well, I see, right. I see that that's like, yeah, this isn't how I'm supposed to feel, but this is how I feel. And there's something to admitting that and something to being honest about that. It's a reality. Um, and do I care if my doctor has long hair? I kind of do. I don't know if I, I mean, I, I, guess, do. I guess it depends on the situation too, because it's like, dude, if I'm going in for open heart surgery and they're like, yo, this is the best doctor in, in Northeast Ohio. This is the best doctor in Stark County right here, bro. He's going to do it. I'm going to be like, dude, I don't care. Chop me open, man. I'm dying. I don't care. Uh, show me what the second best looks like. But, but, but there is going to be something about that every day you go talk to your, not every day, but every time you like your, your primary care physician, your person who's like, Hey, I, I'm coming to you because I have a cold or I have a, an infection or something like that. I right. love, I dude, and I do, and I, I mean, this probably isn't the best, but I love the fact that my doctor that I go to is like an old white dude my dad's age. 
because there's something about it where it's like it almost feels like my dad, where it almost feels like that like comfort, that like level of like you're gonna take care of me and it's gonna be fine and you're gonna it's it's all here for me and for sure I feel that way. Is it right? I don't know. Uh, the most recent doctor I saw, and I'm gonna put this in the field of doctors, would be a, my dentist, right? And I just started going to him, and he's great. And when I walked in there, I was put at ease because he is. He's like 45. And he's the biggest nerd you'll ever meet in your life. You can tell my, like, he's kind of funny in that nerd way. But, dude, my dentist has never been cool a day in his life. And thank God. Because, dude, that's what I want. Because when you were in dental school, what were you doing? You were paying attention then, dude. Like, dude, the cool kids suck. That's why they work at car washes when they're 50. You want the nerds, bro. That's who you want. I don't know if I care about my dentist. What? Dentist? Because, because once again, my life isn't necessarily in your hands. It's one of those things. I don't, know, I don't know where those doctors all kind of line up, but I don't feel like my dentist is as important. I don't. Wow. I'd completely disagree. I feel like, because again, dude, nobody can see my inside, but everybody sees your teeth. Like that's, I, I need my dentist to be buttoned up. I want my doctors to be buttoned up. And it's, look, look, here's the thing. It could just be perception. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just telling you what happens inside me when I go into situations like that. I don't know why everybody has to get so combative with everything. You know, like, I, dude, I've been saying this for a while, dude. Your razor's got a ton of buttons on them, dude. Just start pushing until you find happiness. If it's not here, then go be happy somewhere else, like a marriage. Then get out. I'm not going to beg you to stay. I'm not going to stay together for the kids. Then get out if you feel like you want to get out. Nobody's making you stay anywhere. But to pretend that I'm supposed to go in there, see a doctor with a man bun and sleeve tattoos, and not go like, oh, geez, I wonder how this is going to go. Like, that's a little crazy. I think it's worth noting, too, is that we're at a weird transitional phase in time right now where things have certainly changed, and you can argue whether it's better or worse, I guess, but there's no denying that things have certainly changed. For sure it has. And over the past 25 years, past quarter of a century, um, certainly, so... I'm willing to bet that the concept of tattoo acceptance in the workplace will become more and more mainstream 10 years from now, certainly a generation from now. And when that happens and when younger people become older people, I think... They won't feel the way I right. feel. Things like this won't necessarily be the same. It you got to realize, I was raised in the generation that if you got tattoos, nobody was going to want to hire you. That's the way we were taught. Now, dude, everybody looks like Post Malone. So, of course, you think everybody should be able to have tattoos. You all are tattooing your faces up like Chipotle bags, like the meme on Facebook says. So, of course, you think that's what everybody should look like. But to pretend that that's what a standard doctor looks like in America, is out, that's crazy. To pretend that that's the norm and that it's not going to raise eyebrows. First of all, who goes and sees doctors mostly? Old people do. Old people do. So, of course, they don't want to look. Dude, what you're looking for out of your doctor is comfort and and security and, you know, professionalism. And I'm sorry, dude, we're just not there yet with tattoos. Now, I know that that's crazy, but that's where the world is. You think my 72-year-old mother wants to go in there and see a man bun and sleeves when they're talking to her about, you know, congestive heart failure? No, dude. She wants a guy who looks like he went to Harvard. That's what she wants. I wonder from an age perspective if once you get to a certain age, most doctors are going to be younger than you, most people taking care of you, because I, as a younger person, want an older person. I wonder if when I'm 75, am I going to want somebody my age? Because I'm Not like, 75, but you'd want somebody 50. Because at that point, I'm a little concerned of like, I don't know, dude, I'm old and crazy. I bet you are too. And like, do you have the best... 
training? Do you have the best technology? Do you have all these things that I always hear about? Like, it, it'll just be interesting that somewhere well, somewhere along the line where you feel like nothing's old enough for you, all of a sudden it's like, damn, I'm too old for everything out you, here. You don't want a young or old doctor. What you want is a middle-aged doctor. It's like Tom Brady says about quarterback. Now, again, I know he didn't look great last night, but what Tom Brady is saying is like, dude, I'm better now than ever because I know the game now. Like, I know what's coming. I don't, I, I know how to prepare myself now. And I feel like the doctors are very much the same way that if you get a guy right out of medical school, I'm like, eh, I don't want that, but you don't want a 75 year old either. I'm not saying that if you have tattoos, you can't perform surgery. I know that's what, see, see, people listen to the radio, and honestly, you got two brain cells in there, and they're both searching for one another, so you misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's impossible to be a good surgeon while having tattoos. I'm saying it causes me to take caution when I see it. And again, dude, I live in this world now where admitting how you feel about something makes you awful, makes you a bigot, makes you this. Your world's too small. No, I'm just not a pussy who's not afraid to admit how I feel in the time and be judged. I don't care if I'm judged. I'm just telling all I've told you this for 20 years. I've said this into a microphone. The only thing I owe you is the truth. And that's why I give it to you every last chance I get. Your shot at $1,000 right now your shot at one thousand dollars now text the keyword luck to two of nine welcome back to the sandsbury show we're on rock 1069 about to pass out those factory of terror tickets here for you momentarily 1-800-243-7625 the number you'll need on those that's i mean the season's here yeah i would imagine those things are getting open here pretty soon we'll get you a couple of those tickets i saw this this morning and I think this might be too little too late. But the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, admitted that ESPN, way too political. Way too political. When asked by the Hollywood Reporter how the network has changed over the year, Iger had said the network is working on reeling in its politics and focusing on sports. Says there's been a big debate about whether ESPN should be focused more on what happens on the field of sport than what happens in terms of where sports is societally or politically, Iger had said. Now, here's where this gets really tricky, and I kind of defended Jameel Hill when she said this. She goes, athletes are doing more now than they've ever done. Am I not supposed to report on what they've done? And I know there are some people who are thinking to yourselves right now, yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to do, is not report on what they've done. Now, I don't know if it, it, it like let's look let's make ESPN store let's make it a store right like you because people are asking for sports networks to be something that you don't want anywhere else in your life there is no longer the electronic store there is no longer the grocery store no. there's you go to one place and you kind of get everything done because you want convenience you want one stop shopping is what it was called and so if you're ESPN aren't you like now look I want them to be a little less political f- handful in the air right I want all things to be a little less political it's why I'm not talking Brett Kavanaugh at all this week because I don't think honestly not everything should be all political I'm trying to get you back to having a good time talking to you about some other things I think more people need to be doing that but ESPN 
I think if you deny, like, let's take the LeBron story. What, they're not supposed to tell you the guy opens the school? Well, yeah, I was going to say, because you, I mean, wa- come on. you want to hear about the bad things that he does. If Homeboy gets arrested for DUI, DUI gun in the lap, and whatever. you don't talk about that, then it's 100% going to be like, well, now you're, now you're covering for him. Right. So, no, it's I don't think it's necessarily that, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's common ground here, and there's somewhere in the middle where it makes sense that, like, yes, I want you to report on the relevant information on sports, and if political debate or discussion becomes <laughs> a part of that, so be it, but I don't want you, I don't want I don't want necessarily your opinion or your perspective on this. I want you to be You said it best right the there. conduit. I want you to be the the reporter here, not the not the story. That's the problem. And you just nailed it. This is what doesn't happen anymore from desks on TV shows. Here's the info. And then go to commercial and sell products. Now it's all well, I mean, dude, it's all personal narrative. And I don't that's where you're getting people that's where you're turning people off. I'm going to disagree with it. That's where you're turning people off. I think that's where you get people because if you did just well, do... Well, if that were true, they wouldn't be doing this. If you did just do X's and O's, if you did just... just Here's the basic bland information, people aren't going to watch that. You know what I mean? Like, like well, they're I'm, not watching this. Well, I, I think that across the board... Opinion is what drives stuff, and that's whether that's ESPN or Fox News or whatever it is, wherever you are. I think your giving some sort of spin is what makes people watch it. It just has to be that balance. Like if if the news was just cut and dry and like, hey, you know, the thirteen dead over in, in Syria, nobody's watching that. So you need sensationalism. You, you do, of course you do. Yeah, you kind of do. Of course you. I, do. I, I don't want to be guilty of lying about the conversation. You do kind of need that, but. They're in a tough spot because, dude, we have now given a voice to everybody, which is why everything's all mucked up and why nobody's getting along. And I don't know what sports networks are supposed to do. What are you supposed to? Because, again, now what happens now is the athletes have more of a following than the networks do. And so if you avoid what they're doing now, then the athlete goes to his timeline, gets those people whipped up in a, in, in a fever. And then what happens? You're a racist because you won't talk about it. And so, like, the networks are kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because now the athletes are holding them hostage to talk about how they're trying to move society forward. And if you don't, you're a racist and secretly want to be racist and want the country to be racist. But then if you expose the audience to what they're doing, then you risk losing your fan base. The athletes, dude, this is what needs to happen. These athletes have got to start to remember, you're a business partner of the television network. You're in it together. They are not your adversary. They need to start to wrap their arms around a little bit more of this. And, dude, I got to tell you, man, if you don't get back to playing games, if you don't get back to just entertaining people, escapism is okay. And some re- somewhere along the line in this country, we turned, if you want to escape, that, 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 that you don't care about things. It's like, no, I just don't want to care about them for the next three hours. Why is that not okay? I'll care about them the other 21, but how about this three hours, we just watch guys tackle one another and we don't have to deal with it. I don't think that that necessarily makes you a terrible person, but I do understand where the network lies now. It's very much, I have to deal with this every day. Trump does stuff every day that's newsworthy, that's every day that's funny, but the reality is you don't think it's funny anymore. And that when Trump does funny stuff, if I want to make fun of it, you don't think it's funny. Because you assume then I'm giving you my personal narrative all over again when I'm not. I just want to do the president having slept with a porn star is funny. It is funny. But when we talked about it, when that was going down, you should have read my mail. 
Because I think people ultimately are over-politicized right now. You're also reaching the boiling point of it. And I honestly think there's going to become a renaissance of being kind of dumb and being disengaged from it. And I think it would be better. I really do. I always use this as the analogy. You can use any which one of them. Any one of the big subjects we've been debating in this country for the last like three years. You're no more educated on them than you were before. You're not. Nor am I. So what are we consuming it so hard for? Because, and again, I hate to lean on this guy because I think he's such a loon. But Glenn Beck just wrote that book. Where, dude, we are rageaholics in this country. And we are. We are absolutely rageaholics. There's something about it where it kicks off that go center in the brain. It just kind of feels good. And in the moment, you feel like you're feeling good. But in the end, I think it's making us less happy. But if I'm Bob Iger, I don't know what to do with ESPN because Fantone's kind of right. Like, you got to do something. It can't just be, oh, yeah, you know, it, you know, the, the Lions beat the Patriots because, dude, you can get that on your time. Like, you can get that on your phone now. So, what is the TV network supposed to do? They have to cover what the athletes are doing. I just don't know at what point do you do it? How much business do you have to lose to do that is where I would be cautious if I'm ESPN. I'm happy I don't have to make that decision on TV because I think they're really between a rock and a hard place really with it. I think there is a no-win situation right now with that because the athlete, like I said, is backing them into the corner where they have to talk about it, and they know that. You don't think LeBron and Kevin Durant and all those guys get together and know that if we keep doing this, they have to discuss it, and we'll make the TV network do what we're going to do, and our Instagram followers, we have more people following us than ESPN has? Of course they do. This is all calculated. It's all being decided behind the the curtains and being shoved down your throat, and we're just accepting it. And I'm not sure it's all right because, look, dude, all we do is argue now. More Sansbury Show right around the corner, but Factory of Terror tickets up for grabs right now. We'll take caller 17. 1-800-243-7625 on those. Be right back. Close out the show next. Hang on. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Sansbury Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 109. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. I do not want to end the show this way, but I feel like I have to. Okay. There is something I have defended for five years in this room, and I'm going to try my hardest not to defend it anymore. Okay. Um, I have said, what, did I just get lucky all this time? Maybe did I just get lucky as to as to imply you're an idiot for assuming that I just got lucky and that some of the some of the rhetoric around this has you more scared of it than you should be. But every day I come in here and there's another story about it. As now another kid, 11-year-old, was attacked by a pit bull. Now, I don't believe pit bulls are any more dangerous than any other regular dog breed because I've owned a few. But I have to stop defending it at some point. When, 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 when so many stories. Now, I think the media does kind of like to tell you when a pit bull attacks a kid versus like when a German Shepherd does it. I do. I do. I, you know what I mean? It's kind of like guns. They kind of just, the, the media gets like, they foam at the mouth when it happens. Right? But now I've owned four in my life without any incident, without them freaking out on a neighbor, a stranger, me, my, you know, my brother's kid, anything. Right? So I always went, what, well, did I get lucky? Well, the reality is maybe I just did get lucky. Maybe I did. I don't know. But I know I want to stop defending it when this much data is flying in the face of what it is I want to say. And what do I always say? I'm staunch in my convictions. But if you give me data, if you give me the math, then I have to be movable in my opinion. 
I can't just be solid in them. They have to be movable if I'm shown things. That is what adults call growth. Flip-flopper, Sandsbury, you're a flip-flopper! No. Okay. Non-idiots <laughs> call it okay. growth. That's growth. And here, I'm going to throw the anti-pitbull people a bone here. Okay? My friend Jessica has a pitbull in her house. It's one of the worst behaved dogs I've ever seen in my life. I love Marshall, but he's terribly behaved. And I can't lie. There are times when I'm at their house where I'm like, oh, this is going to be the dog that ends up biting me, and I have to go back in there and be like, now, I don't think so, but I do think about it when I'm at their house. I never once thought about it with any of mine, but their dog does kind of make me think about it sometimes where I'm like, oh, dude, Marshall's just kind of dumb and aggressive, and I could see it maybe happening. Like, there's been times where I've been on the couch with him, and I have been a little worried. To me, it's not so much that, like, pit bulls are violent and they're going to kill you and they're coming to bloodlust and they're going to come kill your children and they're going to kill everyone. I don't, I, I don't, I, I understand that like some people want to paint that picture. Um, to me, I just think it's ridiculous to have an animal in your house that could kill everyone in your house. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, and that's that's pit bulls, that's Great Danes, that's all those dogs that could kill that me. That are powerful enough to overpower you. I don't want that dog in my house. Okay. I, 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 that's, I, that's, that's, that's German Shepherds, that's all those dogs that are capable of great violence. And people are like, well, dude, a Chihuahua bites more people than a pit bull does. I can kill a Chihuahua, bro. I can kill a Golden Retriever. Like, those things I could take care of. I mean, again, I am not anti-pit bull. I've owned many. And I would consider buying another one. I really would. But... I got to stop defending it so publicly because the data just doesn't support what my opinions are. As a matter of fact, I saw a video once where a pit did attack its owner and the guy was in the kitchen. He grabbed a knife and was stabbing it in its ribcage and the dog still wouldn't let go. Like, I mean, they are, their jaws do lock. There's no denying it. They're capable of great violence. No, they are. No, no, they are. no question about that. I got to stop defending. I have to. I, I, I was, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point, um, I kind of like found a dog and like took it to the the warden and like had this like, hey, I found a dog. It, it got it back to its owner and that was all good. But dude, if that were a dog that I viewed capable of great violence, you weren't going to put it in your car. I ain't putting that goddamn thing in my car. You're a fool to. Would you, you're not going to, right? You randomly find a pit bull no. and you ain't putting that thing in your car. Hell no, you ain't, dude. So Hell like, no, you ain't. So my buddy works at this place downtown, Canton. Just outside the city a little bit. it's You know where it is? It's right next to where you used to live. Okay. Okay. okay? And there is that, I call it a bodega. The, like, the, Something over there. Right across the street there, right? That ghetto store right uh, there? I got stories about that ghetto store. Oh, there. dude, I got plenty. I got stories. Dude, sometimes I just go to where he works and watch <laughs> it like television. I love that store. Love it. Right? But I was standing outside there the other day, and you know me, Fantone. I love dogs. Love them. And this dude's walking across the street, and he had this big-ass pit. And it was such a good-looking dog. And it was such a good-looking dog. And it kept looking at me, and it looked nice. And I wanted to walk over and pet it, but I was like, Because mm. what I have always said about pit bulls, and I, do, I, I will maintain that this is true. I do agree that they can sometimes attract shady ownership. Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, they just kind of look like that. They're, they are built. They can. They're great fighting dogs if that's what you're into. I think it's awful to have dog fights. I think it's despicable. I would never do that with a dog. Um, but they they are good at it. And so if you want to do it, it. So, again, like I'm, I'm hesitant on petting a dog. But I, you should be hesitant petting a dog you don't know. You, I mean, really. Yeah, but if a dog I don't know bites me. 
okay, I'm going to survive that one. If a pit bull I don't know comes at me, I'm not. You could be in real danger. Yeah, I mean, I could be dead. So you could. Like, yeah, I'm good. You could. So, again, I don't believe they're in. But, again, I'm getting so much data that I'm going to have to stop doubling down on this as, as staunchly as I have in the past. As, again, another 11-year-old, just this time outside of Cincinnati, I believe. Just, I mean, attack. Going to be all right. Ultimately going to survive it. But still. It's a, you know, it, it attacked an 11-year-old girl, a two-year-old pit. Now, maybe the owner's not great with it, but, I mean, you know how many owners I know of dogs with Labradors that aren't good with it and the lab's still Kill just me. fine? Yeah. I mean, at some point, like I said, I got to take my personal belief out of it, and I just have to be fair to what the facts seem to be, and it just seemed to be that those seem to be the facts. Now, I'm not going to go so far on the other end, like, get rid of the dog, or you're not allowed to have it as my neighbor, or this and that. I'm not going to go that far. But I, myself, have to stop defending it so hard. I was going to say, you're cruising, looking for a house, looking for a new place to live. Neighbors on both sides got pit bulls on the front yard. <laughs> There's probably another reason I don't want to live there. It's just my guess. Rock 106.9, your shot to win $1,000 is every hour on the radio station, starting at 6A through 9P. And Teresa has your next opportunity. She'll get you hooked up at 10. Aside from that, we're done. Be back at it live tomorrow morning on Rock 106.9. You guys have a great day. See ya. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.